Welcome to the Unbound Healing Podcast. I'm Anne-Marie Garland, nutritional therapist and health coach at Grass-Fed Salsa, and with me is my co-host Michelle Hoover, certified nutritional therapy practitioner and writer of everything you'll find at Unbound Wellness. Here we share everything about overcoming health challenges from autoimmunity to hormone imbalance and more with holistic living, mindset shifts, practical tips, and a real food paleo approach. Remember our disclaimer, the content within this podcast is intended to provide general information and is not to be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Now let's get on with the show. What is up, you guys? It is Michelle here for another episode of the podcast, and we have an amazing interview for you today. But just so you know, it was just me and our guest today and was traveling when we recorded this. So it's just me and Meg Dahl, Meg of Meg the RHN, who Anne and I have name dropped her a couple times just because she's amazing as you will see. So Meg is an RHN, a registered holistic nutritionist, and she has gone through her own healing journey. We talk about her background with eating disorder. So we definitely talk about that in here. We talk about her having a parasite and healing from that and healing digestive issues. But what is really amazing about her story is how she comes at it from such a place of self-love and how self-love is something that she focuses so heavily on. And guys, you will have never heard anybody talk about self-love and make it so practical and just like put out this amazing system for it like Meg does. This episode is one of my favorites. It was so helpful for me learning more about self-love. I just love everything she said, and I hope that you guys love it too. So let's go talk to Meg. All right, Meg, thank you so much for being with me here this week. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This is such an honor, honestly. It is the the pleasure is all mine and Anne's, um, but I have to tell you. So I'm going to potentially age us both, flatter you, and maybe even like embarrass myself. But I have been following your blog for I did the math and I think it's like almost seven years. No, yeah, yeah. I've been following you so since I was like a junior in college when your vlog was like a dash of Meg, I started following you all the way back then. Well, yeah. I mean, I can't even remember. I graduated university in 2013. And I think I started a dash of Meg back in like 2011. Yeah. So that's, yeah, yeah, that's when I believe I did start following you. Yeah. 2011. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I had, I was blogging back then under like a different, and I like had no idea what I was even talking about, but there were so many like other, like awesome bloggers out there at the time that I started following. And I followed a bunch of people's journeys through there. And it was just it's just been such a pleasure to watch you just this entire time for like seven years. That's (laughs) pretty wild. It's insane. Like I have a couple of bloggers that I've been following like all that time. And it's like, man, it's just so cool to see 
Yeah. And it's crazy to think what, like how big blogging was back then. I mean, I blogged seven days a week. I was a blogger. Oh yeah. And that was the days when you would blog. Like I woke up today at seven and then I ate this and you show a picture of breakfast. Then I walked over here and there was this, by this tree, here's the tree. Like then I went to the gym, here are my shoes at like, like it was just- And people loved that stuff. People loved that. Yeah. So that's when I started following you and just to see the progression and just like all this stuff that you've been through and all the ways that you've grown and all the like amazing content that you've provided to the world. I'm so grateful. And I can't wait to start digging into this stuff. So before we start getting into all of that, something that we do each week on the podcast is what you are loving. So what are you loving this week? Yes. I love this segment. And honestly, when I started, like initially, I thought of food, obviously. I think, you know, when we think, what are we loving? Um, our minds just kind of like automatically go to maybe like a treat we had this week that we just absolutely loved. But when I kind of took a step back and thought about what I'm actually really loving this week is it's getting brighter in the mornings. And I love being woken up by the sun. I absolutely I love, love that. It. it feels so good. And then um, with that, I've been getting up a little bit earlier and taking my puppy Penny out for a walk. And it just feels so nice to not feel like such a bear <laughs> um, <laughs> like I had all winter. <laughs> yeah. And you guys are, are you coming out of winter yet up there or is it still kind of feel like? Um, like it's it? very- spring-like like things That's are great. melting so it's definitely what we consider spring here for sure <laughs> the here what we have is probably what you guys would consider summer like it's already 80 degrees here so. oh yeah big time I see you sitting there in your tank top and yeah <laughs> and it's like I'm still kind of hot <laughs> yeah but that's awesome I love it's just so much more natural to wake up to the sun yeah. so I love that. Um, it feels so nice having that little bit of sun coming into the room. It does. I love that too. Oh, that was awesome. I love that. So this is a loaded question because it has so many layers because I have followed your journey for so long and I know all the things that have happened, but that's also why Anne and I have brought you up so many times on the podcast because you have so many things that our listeners coming from like a chronic illness kind of background and just like finding their way through a healing journey, so many things that they can relate to. So can you tell us a little bit about your health and healing story? Oh boy, as we just touched on, this goes way back, right? And honestly, I could go all the way back to like age 10, and I will, but I'll kind of make it quickie. Um, When I was 10, I was diagnosed with an eating disorder. So I had anorexia as a 10-year-old girl, which is absolutely crazy when I think about it now, because we have... Um, you know, young people within our lives now who are 10 years old, and I look at their precious little faces and think about my young self. And it's hard to wrap my head around that such a young version of myself had such a terrible mental illness that truly almost robbed me of my life. So I was 10 years old when I was diagnosed with anorexia. 
at that time, I was also dealing with a lot of digestive issues and really my digestive issues were pretty chronic um, throughout my whole childhood. Um, I did overcome that eating disorder with the help of my parents, a lot of doctor visits and social workers and, you know, help from health professionals. And when I returned, so that happened throughout my like grade four, grade five year of school in elementary school. And when I returned to school in grade six, I was completely recovered and truthfully never thought about food, body image, or an eating disorder for several years until I was in grade 10 in high school and I relapsed. And this time it was a lot more severe and I was a lot deeper into this eating disorder and again it was anorexia so um, I dealt with that for several years and again started to see you know um, psychologists and dietitians and this time it seemed like it had a bigger you know impact on my life for sure but I overcame that and moved away for university and still was at that time I was recovered from anorexia, but still holding on to, you know, little disordered behaviors and things like that. And it wasn't until about 2013 when I really realized that I did not want to live my life this way anymore. And um, that's really when I kind of started approaching this thing that I like to call like food freedom and really paving my own way to where I am today. So my health and healing history definitely involves, you know, a lot of eating disorder struggles and overcoming that. Um, so I'm super passionate about eating disorder recovery, body image, and mental health for sure, and digestive issues. As I mentioned, that's something that I definitely struggled with, even recently too. Yeah, yeah. Your story is amazing. Thank you for sharing all of that. And something that, um, which we can get into that a little bit later as well, but something that I believe that we've t brought you up about too, and something that I learned so much of you about from is uh, your parasite journey. Oh my gosh. My so <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's something that so many people deal with and they have no idea. Can you kind of talk a little bit about, because I feel like that's something that our listeners can really relate to. We have a lot of gut health people here. Sure. Um, yeah. And that's something that's more recent, right? So yeah. um, as I mentioned in 2013, that was kind of the year that I really let go of a lot of those disordered behaviors that were holding me back. And finally, by like 2015, you know, I remember the summer of 2015. And I was just feeling like, gosh, like, I feel so good. I'm the healthiest, like mentally, physically, I've ever been. So that was the summer of 2015. And I just honestly, it was the healthiest I've ever been. Mm -hmm. Come the fall of 2015, I started getting really sick. I was throwing up every month. Like it was very cyclical. It was very yeah. strange. 
Um, I was super fatigued. I've never been one to experience fatigue before. And I was experiencing um, also this incredible bloat. Um, it looked like there was literally a basketball blown up inside of my lower abdomen. Like it was I remember those pictures. insane. And I'm not exaggerating, right? Yeah. Like it looked like a basketball. Um, so I did a lot of digging as, so I am a holistic nutritionist and a restorative wellness solutions practitioner. So with that, I can run like comprehensive stool tests on myself. So, you know, I did because I was so fatigued, I ran a adrenal hormone test on myself thinking it's gotta be my adrenals and my adrenals really weren't like reflecting how I felt. So I did a stool test and it came back positive for a parasite and really like we, they're so common. Um, but man, they can really take a toll on your body. So that was, um, I found out about the parasite the summer of 2016 so it hasn't even been like two years ago yet so summer of 2016 i finally found out after being sick for since like the, that past fall um and then it wasn't until the following summer so just this past summer i found out i finally got rid of it so it took me two years i mean i struggled with it for almost two years but it took me a full year to eradicate that thing. That's amazing. And what I think is so important in that story is that, yeah, it took a year and like even just telling your health journey, like you started at 10, Mm -hmm. like this stuff goes so far back. And I feel like, at least when I did, like when I got diagnosed with Hashimoto's, it's like, okay, well, how do I fix this immediately? Or when I started getting all my gut issues, like, okay, 60 days and I'm going to be back at Wendy's. But, you know, these things are such a long journey. And it really, it's a lifetime that we're continuing to pursue these things. But as for healing, like it takes a long time. Um, and I love that you acknowledge that, like you are not like a quick fix kind of person. No. And like, that's why... That's why you've been so successful and people that work with you are successful and yeah, it's not a quick fix at all. It is so not. And I mean, I'm still, you know, my digestion, I have to say, super grateful that I've been able to overcome that. But something else I want to point out is post-parasite, you know, I found out that I eradicated that parasite, but because the parasite created such an imbalance within my body, after that, I had to work on eradicating a bacterial overgrowth. So, you know, there's always something that we're working on and I'm still working on stuff, right? We're all working towards better health, I think. For sure. So I would love to talk about kind of what are some of the main things and like we just said, like you're always kind of healing, always working on something. But what are some of the main things that played a role in your life when you were trying to heal from all these things? Because it's healing your body physically, but it's healing emotionally as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think um, just being, I think as a eating, someone who has gone through an eating disorder, recovered from an eating disorder, I got really good at listening to my body. Um 
And then the whole self-compassion piece. I'm super passionate about educating people on self-love. And I kind of have like a self-love framework, if you will. And self-compassion is part of that. So yeah, over the years, um, you know, after overcoming, overcoming my eating disorder, I attract a lot of women into my life that want to do the same that are either battling an eating disorder or disordered eating because they are two very different things. Um, So I help a lot of women with that. Um, And with that, everyone wants self love. It's a huge part of our healing journey. And, you know, to answer your question, I think the self love aspect would be my number one piece. Um, to tell anyone, right? It's not diet. It's not how I exercised or how I didn't exercise um, or how I slept or anything like that. It really is like that self-love piece. And, um, you know, self-love is quite a common topic these days, I think, which gets me pretty excited. But um, there's so much to self-love and when it comes to cultivating it, And so I kind of took a step back um, over the past couple of years and kind of created this framework um, based on what I knew from my life and what I've seen my clients have to do. And I really put together these four pillars that everyone needs to include when it comes to cultivating self-love. So I call them um, the four building blocks of self-love and it is self-talk self-compassion, self-acceptance, and self-care. And so those four pillars are part of my everyday life and they're huge for my healing and where I am today. That's amazing because I feel like so many people stop at the self-care part and to where it's like self-care is great, like bubble baths and re- like restorative yoga and yoga mm-hmm. nature. Like that's all wonderful stuff, but there's so much more about it. And I feel like it was around the time where I started following your blog when I first started um, figuring out like this itself talk thing about how that was so, and there was this book that I'm not going to be able to remember what it was called. <laughs> maybe, maybe like a week from now, but there was a book and it was basically just all about self, like positive self-talk. And it was about putting like post-it notes around being like, you're beautiful. Like you're great. Like you're so powerful. You're so this. And I had just like never seen anything like that before. Like I used to think that that was so conceited. Like, oh, so you agree. You think you're really pretty. Like, or you think that you're just really great. And like that self talk thing, just, I don't know. I didn't get it up until such a later point. And the problem that I so often see people run into and the problem that I had when I was first diagnosed with a chronic illness is like my self-talk was just like crap about myself because I was constantly telling myself that I gave myself this thing. And people ask me that all the time of like, well, I have Hashimoto's or I have Crohn's disease or whatever. And I did like this and this thing when I was a teenager. Did that cause it? Like, did I give this to myself? It's like, well, it's not super great to feed into that negative self-talk about yourself, to blame yourself, right? Like, 
how do you, um, I guess, how do you navigate when you're working with clients or talking to somebody? Because I feel like that negative self-talk is just like everywhere. It is. And how do you help them push through that? Yeah. So with the pillar of self-talk, that is really, um, I, all of the pillars within that self-love framework that I shared with you, they're all equally important, but I totally agree with you, hun, in the sense that people think self-care is self-love and what I'm trying to get out (laughs) is like, yeah, it's a fourth of it, right? There's like Mm -hmm. a quarter of this whole self-love picture And self-care is a part of it, but there's these three other areas that are all equally as important. So they all need to be present, like I said, within your life on a daily basis. So when I guide women or anyone through this self-love journey, we always start with self-talk because it starts with you. And that is like the first place that we need to begin. And so I don't even, I start further back than even how you're speaking to yourself. You know, like you were mentioning the post-it notes and whatnot. That's great, but we need to take it even farther back and really step into this place of awareness. Like you said, negative self-talk is everywhere, but my message is like, most of us don't even realize that it's Mm -hmm. happening. Like we don't realize that, when we step into the mirror, we're saying really nasty things about ourselves because it's just like this broken record that's constant. And we need to take this step back and realize that these are our thoughts and we're not actually intentionally thinking those things about ourselves. Mm-hmm. It's just our minds. Like it's this chatter that's happening within our mind that is just like naturally happening. And what I remind people is like our minds aren't programmed to speak to us nicely, right? So they're just like chattering away. It's our responsibility to take that step back and be like, okay, I'm having this thought right now. It's not actually my truth. It's not actually what I'm believing Um, I have a choice to believe it or not, but I'm now seeing it as a thought rather than something that I thought about myself. Does that make sense? No, totally. I I totally agree. So what are, I feel like this concept of self-love and I feel like that's what sets you like has made me follow you for so long. (laughs) I follow sounds like such a creepy thing. Like I've just been like following, like just (laughs) 10 feet behind you for the past girl we're friends (laughs) it's just such an awkward but i mean everybody's using it but um yeah it it's just such a hard thing to grasp in this society of number one us hating ourselves way too often of just having this negative opinion about ourselves but having negative opinions about other people all of the time and social Mm -hmm. media just makes that even worse but I guess for people that are starting to try to cultivate this stuff, what are some of your favorite like resources or things to start to try to do every, I know like the four pillars, like things that you want to hit on every day, but do you have some ideas of how people can kind of like start to approach this every day? Is it like journaling or meditation or 
Like yeah. what, are, what are your thoughts yeah, so on that? Actual like things for them to do. I would definitely recommend journaling for sure. That allows, so like I said, um, step one would really to be like seeing your thoughts as thoughts like that they're not you actually intentionally thinking these things they are just like this chatter in your head and you have control um to believe them or not and change them so then that goes into that action piece of actually changing how you speak to yourself so i think in that sense stepping into that place of awareness we all know that meditation is great for increasing our sense of awareness but i also really love journaling mm. um if journaling's not a part of your regular day to day life, I would highly suggest doing that um, because it will allow you to just get things out on paper and you might realize some things that like you didn't even know were going on inside of you. So mm -hmm. I would definitely, those would be the two easiest ways to begin here for sure. I love that. So something that um, I often see you refer to on social media and something we've talked about here before on the podcast is how social media is, I mean, it's amazing. I never would have like found so many awesome people if it weren't and be able to cultivate those relationships if it weren't for social media, but like everything, there's positives and negatives. And you often talk about how social media is great and inspirational, but it's not real life. And I remember one time you posted a picture of, um, it was like a picture of like a plate of like vegetables and eggs. And you had like one egg on there because it was pretty. And then it was like after it's like, but there's actually like four, <laughs> but it's I just not as pretty because you don't see it, you know, and people are doing that all the, and I do it all the time. Like literally I'd be like, Oh, if I put this whole avocado here, it's going to cover up this onion. And then I can't do that. So I will constantly do that. Or like, Oh, this piece of chicken, like constantly, I do it all the time, but people aren't open about it and they're not. And I feel like people just aren't, it's not like you're a bad person if you're not open about it because we just do it on autopilot at this first, at, at this point. But I talk to so many women and men who just look at social media and say like, oh, I can never live up to this standard or like I can just never be this person that they are. And, you know, I could never, I can't love myself because I am not this person that has 300,000 followers over there. So a lot of people, I see people all the time who just say like, okay, well, like I'm, I'm done with it now. Like, I don't want to be on Instagram anymore. I don't want to be on Facebook and everybody has to make their own decision. But I don't know. I feel like when we first started having books, everybody was talking about how terrible books were. So, you know, everybody's going to say something's terrible for some reason. It's everybody can make their own decision. They want social media in their life or not. But I think it's important to have a balance of like, okay, I'm going to use this in the right way um, and not get obsessed with it. So I kind of like, what, what's your advice to people on not getting too sucked into like the image on social media? 
Right, right. So I totally thought you were going to bring up my post about the eggs too. And that was a while ago, actually. I told you. Yeah, but I I know exactly (laughs) which one you're talking about. Yeah. So tips for like not getting all wrapped up in it is I two things are coming to mind right now. And I, I did just have a conversation actually about this with a client of mine, because she was really struggling um, with knowing what her body needed because she saw so-and-so eat a certain way or even pictures of me posting things, right? And for those people, if you're literally getting triggered by every single person, I would definitely say like, let's take a a minute. Yeah. Right. Let's take a minute, step back. But really we need to remember that like we're taking pictures, they're, they're, pictures for social media mm-hmm. and it's not the real life real right it's not mm-hmm. real you don't get to see every single thing i might post one of my meals for the whole day you don't see what else i'm eating throughout the day so really reminding yourself that you're not seeing the whole life picture of whoever you're following but also just making sure that you're following people that aren't triggering you. And one thing that pains me so much, and I have this conversation with girls, like not even food related, right? So a lot of my friends are building their own businesses. They're entrepreneurs and they're all online, you know, boss babes, right? And I often have conversations with them when they tell me, like, they'll just come straight out and tell me, you know, oh, I saw so-and-so post this and it made me feel like I'm not doing enough. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of look at them and I can't help but say like, but you can unfollow them. You know that, right? Like if every single post that someone's making is either uh, like letting you feel less than or like you're not doing enough or maybe you're eating the wrong things like if what you're seeing is leading you to second guess yourself you don't have to be following these people Mm. and that's really what I'm all about is stepping into your power and realizing that you have the power to feel exactly how you want to feel and if someone isn't allowing you to feel that way get them out of your life. I'm sorry, but like, I just have zero patience for that. And I unfollow people probably on a daily basis. Like if I, you know, whether I scroll past their posts and I'm like, Hmm, this really isn't serving me anymore. I unfollow them. Or if I'm triggered by something, which really doesn't happen all that much. But I mean, years ago, I was very triggered by um, a lot of people that I was following. And it's just that process of making sure that what's in your life is not toxic for you, right? Mm -hmm. And something that I want to bring up, because I actually did recently do a post on making sure who you're following is inspiring you versus triggering you. Yeah. And one of my friends commented on this post, and I know she was just trying to be funny, but it really stuck with me all week. Um, she said like, yeah, like I totally get what you're saying, but I am triggered by some people, but I have a hard time unfollowing them because I have this fear of missing out. 
Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. Oh, okay, my gosh. So we can all relate to the yes. FOMO. But what is like repeating in my mind ever since hearing her or reading her comment, I cannot help but think like, but is like, is the fear of missing out on their life worth like the missing out on your life? Mm -hmm. Right. Because when we're triggered by people, we're missing out on pieces of our life that are super meaningful or could be really meaningful. And if other people are triggering us, we're missing out on our life versus like, we're just, do you know what I'm saying? And it's just kind of, yeah. So yeah, that was a thought of mine. That, that exactly is what I've been trying to put into words for a long time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, I feel like I'll follow people or just even like, like I'll just read a book or watch a TV show that's like really depressing and I'll just like walk around with like a cloud over me. But yeah, it's that FOMO of like, but it's such a good book, but like, it's such an interesting person and she has such pretty pictures, like something that'll just, for me, usually right now it's what it's following other like entrepreneurs that are like doing things that I want to be doing. I'm like, Oh, they're doing that and I'm not there. And I'm like, God. And then it's just like, I walk around with this cloud over my head and yeah, it makes you miss out. It's like, no, I don't want to go out on date night tonight. Like I just want to stay home and sulk. And it takes a lot of self-awareness to see Mm -hmm. that you're doing that because I did that for years and sometimes I still don't notice it, but yeah, self-awareness is a huge form of self-love. It is. For it sure. all starts with that, babe. It does. It does. Yeah. It really does. That's why your message is so great. And that's. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. I am super passionate about it. <laughs> Obviously. You are. <laughs> I, so I may be jumping ahead a little bit here, but I really want to talk about it. So your book. My is, book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My book. So. Cause that talks about this stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I've always had this dream of writing a book about self-love. Um, but then with kind of like a mind, body, soul approach to it. So more of this like self-love, but how can we add like food and nutrients and stuff like that into it as well? So yeah, I wrote a book. It will be out December, 2018. Um, and I, yeah, but because I had to put my own Meg spin on it, it starts with the soul piece first. So yeah, I love that we go into my four pillars of self-love and I share all of my stories with you guys and kind of give you action steps for each um, of those pillars. And yeah, it was quite the process writing that book. And then the mind and body, um, we talk about, you know, how certain nutrients can really support the mind and the body. And then there's also 75 or so recipes at the back that I all created. So that was, that was a good time too. Yeah. I read a lot of cookbooks 
Like that's like my, one of my favorite things to do. And you just don't find a lot of books out there like that. So when I heard that you were writing this book, I was like, this is very needed. Like people need to pick something up and be like, I'm going to make this like chia pudding and like, oh wait, like this is actually what I need. So there's not a lot of stuff like, like this out there. Thank you. Yeah, no. So I'm really hoping that I can, and really my intention with that book was to really get that message of self-love out there that it's not about your diet. It's not about how much you exercise or how you exercise um, or what diet you follow. Um, It truly is, like I said before, it starts with you. And I really, um, I love that the book is not marketed for women either, because I think men really need this too. And I I just wanted to get the message in as many hands as possible. And it does. People, we just had an interview last week with Sophie of Squirrel in the Kitchen, and she's coming out with a book too. And we were talking about like, well, why, why would you have a book if like, there's the internet. Like, no, like books are still so important. And I don't know, it's just so valuable. And people love that. Like people love sitting down with like a hardcover book and like really just having, I feel like on the internet and like on Instagram, like, or anywhere you can just kind of say like a million things and it's not necessarily, you know, a chapter by chapter cohesive flow. And that's what I'm really looking forward to with your book is that it's, feel like it's going to be just like a whole process of like guiding you through it, you know? Well, thank you so much. I'm very excited for December to get here. That's for sure. Yeah. It's a process I'm sure. And it's been probably like since 2016 or something that you've been right. Yeah. So I guess we can talk a little bit about that because you said that it's not just a cookbook and that's kind of why it's been taking such a long time because the publishing company didn't actually realize, I mean, I obviously communicated with them, but um, my manuscript was a lot larger than what they anticipated. Right. So um, it's not just cookbook. It's, it's a book. (laughs) Oh yeah. Usually when you see, I mean, there's a lot of cookbooks that are like great. They have like little great forwards and like little sections where it's like, Oh, that's nice. But I'm sure that yours is going to be like basically like three books in one. Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, which I'm excited. Thank you so I'm much. Really, how many, do you know how many pages it's going to be? It's really- I have no idea. <laughs> um, it, I A will, lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just kind of like when I was writing the manuscript, it, I kept adding chapters, right? Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, I need to talk about this now and this. And yeah, if anyone listening has ever written a book, they I'm sure they can relate. You just honestly keep um, adding chapters. Right now, I'm actually creating an ebook for like a program that I'm going to be launching. And the ebook, like even with that, it's like you keep adding oh, yeah. pages and pages and pages. Um, yeah, it's fun. It just keeps exploding. Yeah, I have an ebook and I feel like towards the very, it was like a month before I launched it. And then it was like in that month, it grew by like 50%. Like I just, oh, yeah. (laughs) You're just like, wait, wait. And especially with the book, it's like, well, that's going to be out there. Like you can't just like go back and edit it. Like you want to put your all into it. But 
that makes me so excited to hear that. Thank you. You're so sweet. All of those things. Yeah, I'm, I love, I love it. Um, so I'm sure that this is going to be in the book as well. And it's part of uh, kind of like all the stuff that you talk about part of it. Can we talk a little bit about like intuitive eating and how that has, and, and the thing that people struggle with when we're coming from a background of, so a lot of our listeners are coming from like the autoimmune protocol space to where it feels so, it can feel really restrictive and like, oh, I can't eat anything. I can't, and that's what I told myself in the beginning. That's like, if I can't have pizza, like I'm not being an intuitive eater. <laughs> like intuitively, I want pizza. So can we talk a little bit about intuitive eating and how you kind of get past that with people of like, you can still eat intuitively, even if you're not eating like everything under the sun, you know? Yeah. And this is such a great topic because I think, and something that I'm really passionate about talking about too, because intuitive eating, like that label, I think because there's a name tied to it, people start like acting as though intuitive eating is another type of diet. Oh yeah, that's a diet right? too. Right? Yeah, yeah. So I think if we kind of realize that and let go of that, a lot of the issues that so many people experience when they actually step into wanting to become an intuitive eater, like all of those will go away, right? Those issues that they experience. But yeah, um, so talking about, you know, trying to kind of follow what you want to be eating when you're not able to eat certain things, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Like maybe it's grains or something that you're not able to eat and that's what you really want. You're still able, like you're still eating intuitively. You're mindful of those cravings. Um, but where I see the intuitive eating piece comes in and I'll use myself as an example, I can crave like pasta in a major way. I grew up being like a mac and cheese kind of girl, right? I want mac and cheese right now. Girl, I (laughs) love mac and cheese. Um, and like, really does anything replace like the little elbow macaronis (laughs) from the box like I can say I've made some grain-free bread that I'm like okay I do not need um any other type of bread for the rest of my life right and I know Michelle you do a lot of like baking for muffins and stuff and I'm sure those replace your oh yeah like wheat muffin very well, but I don't think there's anything that will ever be able to replace like the elbow macaronis. Anyway, (laughs) the way that falls in, in my eyes into intuitive eating is, you know, that your, like your body doesn't tolerate that. Right. So I am extremely um, sensitive to gluten. I cannot eat gluten. Um, if I wake up one day and really wanting like something with gluten in it, such as this mac and cheese, right? Um, it's not not intuitive of me to not eat it. Mm-hmm. I it's being intuitive because I know that my body like 
really does not tolerate that food. And I'm choosing love, you know, by not having it for myself. So it's really more of like, it is intuitive eating to know that versus being totally oblivious to the fact and eating it anyway. Right. For sure. I think a lot of people forget that being aware of your body and how it responds to food. And I know a lot of your listeners, like you said, are, you know, needing to follow AIP for a certain period of time. And that's extremely intuitive because think about it. Think of all the people that are actually needing to eat that way, but aren't in tune enough with their body. So they're not eating that way. Right. Mm -hmm. 100%. That's part of what held me back for years. So like when I first started, like way before I had my blog now, I had other blogs where I was just like, I'm so confused and I don't know, like, I don't know what my issues are. And I started having Hashimoto's issues at like 16, 17. And it took me to when I was, gosh, like 22, 23, something like that, where maybe even after that 24, I don't even know, a lot of time (laughs) to where I just was constantly telling myself like, oh, I can't be happy if I'm not having pizza. And I just felt sorry for myself. Mm -hmm. Like I felt so, like I would just sulk like at a party if like everybody else was eating pizza and I just wasn't. And I was just like, ugh, poor me. Ugh. I remember one situation. It was even when I was married to my husband. So this was even fair. This was in like the last three years. We were at his friend's house during the summer and they were doing s'mores. And I I can't, I'm actually better with gluten than I am with like something that like corn and Mm. marshmallows. Like that's corn syrup. Like if I have corn, that's one of the ones for me that I'm like, I'm done. And I'm just staring at these like ooey gooey marshmallows feeling like, oh, why corn is so bad. Oh my gosh. But it's the same thing that those people and so many other people are walking around all the time like, ugh, I'm tired or like, I don't feel good. And they just have no idea. And yeah, maybe you aren't like 100% healed yet. That's what people have issues with of like, oh, well, I'm avoiding this food, but I'm not better. So like, why don't I just eat it? Like, maybe you're not 100% there yet, but you'll get there. Like it took us a long time to get there mm-hmm. and it may take you shorter and may take you longer. It may take you around the same time, but like you will get there and just acknowledging like this is one of the greatest acts of self love and self care that you can give yourself by choosing things that nourish you rather than things that are just, you know, shoved in your head in commercials as a kid that like, this is fun. This is great. Like, it's just, it's not worth it. You know? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it's really being in tune with your body that makes you intuitive for sure. Something else that I always love that you do is that you find such joy in the food that you eat. Like I love reading, you know, like this is like the best thing ever. And like, I think that's so important that people do need to do that. And I've seen you before, like, I know I always say this is the best thing ever, but it's the best thing ever. It's like, no, it's really important to sit down and be like, this is amazing. Like, this is so good. Like, can you talk about that? Like kind of just like how you find such joy in the food that you eat? 
Gosh, I get so fired up about my meal. Yeah. And I, I think again, um, I don't want to, you know, kill this self care talk that we're doing, but really, um, enjoying my meals is so important to me because I think for so many years of my life, I didn't eat or I feared food and it wasn't like this really meaningful ritual to me. Right. So I make sure every meal that I have is like, I'm, I'm like into it or, you know, um, it gets me excited because if I do that, I do feel more satisfied too. Right. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I just, I love food. I think it's just the foodie in me. I'm really not a picky person either. I love a huge variety of foods and, um, I'm kind of like a self-proclaimed chef in a way, right? I, I love creating recipes and I never follow recipes. I'm so bad. Like I <laughs> wish like, you know, all of my friends have cookbooks and whatnot. And I wish I could follow a recipe, but I just can't. <laughs> um, I look at a picture and that's what I love about Instagram. I I follow like food accounts, right? Like mm. actual, um, like Bon Appetit and stuff like that. And I follow them just for their pictures. And if I see something that just kind of catches my eye and inspires me, I'll create a recipe based on what I saw, but it might not be anything what that recipe was, right? Yeah, like, oh, yeah. totally. That's what I love about cookbooks so much is that I yeah, just, know, just like, flip through them, like yeah. living in those pages. But I think that's so important when people are transitioning their diet to a more healing diet to find joy in the food that they're still eating. Yes. Because I've seen so many people say like, oh, paleo recipes or especially recipes that like replace nightshades and like mm -hmm. really, and you know, things that just get kind of like weird on it. Like I'll call myself weird because it's weird. Like I have like a Buffalo chicken dip that's like dairy free and nightshade free. And it's, it's kind of weird of like, how is this Buffalo chicken dip dairy free and nightshade free? Like it's kind of weird. And people will be like, Oh, that's weird. It's like, it's a little weird. Yeah. But like, I love it. And I am so happy to be eating it right now. And I think yeah. that that's just so incredibly important to find joy in the things that you eat and that, yeah, it's just so important. But something else that I love, um, I, I mean, I guess it goes along with joy as well, but you were such a, like a, you radiate such joy and happiness, but you were kind of just like all about, all open about just like feeling all of the feelings. Like yeah. not every day is like joyous and it's not like these are the best eggs I ever ate like every single day, you know? Right, It's right. not always <laughs> like that. So what is your advice for people that are just like looking to feel feelings a little bit more without just like dwelling on things, you know? Mm -hmm. That is such a good question. And honestly, I, my answer, the first thing that popped into my head was not seeing feelings as either good or bad, that they're just neutral. Um, you know, crying. Some people are so scared to cry. Some people, anxiety. I work with a lot of women that have anxiety. 
anxiety is not good or bad. Um, yeah. It might feel funky and not too much. It might not feel as um, awesome as the feeling of joy feels. But once we let go of like labeling feelings as good or bad, um, it's a lot easier to feel them. And that's the only way we move through anything in life is if we feel it. I love that. You posted um, a while, not that far ago, recently, like you just kind of like went tear on your cheek talking about like gratitude and just like feeling things. And after you saw that, I posted like a video of myself, like with tears in my eyes. And I was like, oh, this is so like vulnerable and weird. And I was listening to like my cousin's single and it literally like it I felt it made me like so just like emotional that I like cried and it felt so vulnerable but it felt so good and I feel like it it just meant a lot to her too mm -hmm. and yeah those moments feel really vulnerable of like I'm posting on the internet to like thousands of people that I'm crying like that's mm -hmm. weird but it's so important to feel those things. It's not like I just like went around my entire day, just like sobbing into a pillow over this song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of goes back to what we were saying about we're real, like, you know, and it's just bringing that realness back into our Instagram feeds too. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if people are modeling themselves so much after, you know, what they're seeing people doing, which I mean, there's only so much that we, like people imitate other people all of the time. Like you go out on a date with somebody and you start scratching your head, they start doing that. Like it's just intuitive for people to kind of emulate what other people do. I think that's one of the most amazing things that you can do is just like, okay, be real, like feel your feelings and telling other people to do that. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we always, I always talk about this with Anne um, that, you know, we're coming at this as people who do this for a living and like, these are our businesses, but this applies to everybody. Like everybody is an influencer. Like it doesn't matter if you have like 10 Instagram followers or you don't even have it. Like you're influencing your like two-year-old daughter. Like you are influencing your coworkers. Like you're influencing your friends, like everything that you guys do is just as much of an influencer and like the, the things that you do and like the joy that you show in your life and the feelings that you're feeling, like the self-talk that you give, like is influencing other people for sure. Yeah. You know? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're all influencers. So I have a couple things that I, one thing that I wanted to ask, which is always a hot topic for everybody is you are a traveler. Ooh. watching you travel. I would love to hear some of your tips on how you stay kind of just like nourished and happy while traveling because it can wear you down. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so I just recently came off of like four weeks of travel. So, um, just making, again, tuning into what your body needs, right? And not judging yourself for it. There was many nights where I just went to bed at like nine o'clock because I was so exhausted. Just being really gentle, um, mindful and aware of what you're needing at that time. And um, I always make sure I get tons of veggies in 
when um, I'm traveling. So really, I guess doing your best to not sway. And I want to make sure I come across like appropriately when I say this, because I, it's not like when I travel, I am super strict with a schedule, but what I've found is when I don't sway too far from my schedule, meaning that I'm not staying up super late and I'm not skimping on the healthy foods that I normally eat at home. When you're doing your best to be as at home as you would be when you travel, you're going to be healthier and you're going to feel better, right? I always travel with my essential oils, which is huge for me. So anytime I'm feeling run down, I like swipe those on my throat. They really help me with my immunity. Those are like key things. Um, Taking my supplements while I travel, making sure that I'm well hydrated because I know that's always something that I struggle with when I travel. Mm -hmm. So making sure that you do those like things that you do at home that make you feel really good while you travel too. That's excellent advice. I needed to hear that. Aw. <laughs> I just, I'm about to book a trip to New York and a bigger trip, which I don't, I don't can I say it on here? Yeah, I can. I can Ooh. say it at this point. So I will have already announced it next week, but I'm going to Paris in September. <gasps> wow. I, I will have already announced it on social media, um, but I'm going to do a food photography workshop in Paris. Most yeah, and I'm like already thinking yeah yeah it's a big I'll like I'll explain everything on Instagram so or I'm sure I'll talk about it like on my blog and my email list too so if you guys are like what where how are you do what I'll have it all there and I'll probably talk about it next week on the podcast too Um, but yeah I know that I'm going to need to do because the point of traveling is not like, Oh, I want to come back and make sure that like my pants still fit. It's I want to be present and there while I'm there. And like, I want to feel great. Like I want to enjoy this experience. And that's what health is about. mm -hmm, Exactly. And, and defining what health means to you, right? For me, health does not mean being super strict with a schedule when I travel. It means taking care of me when I travel, but enjoying everything around me when I travel. For sure. Yeah. That's, I'm glad I asked you because I needed to hear that. I'm sure a lot of people did too. So tell us about all of your new ventures. We talked about the book a little bit, but you have a new podcast um, you have a new program. Like, I just want to hear, just, just tell us the stuff. All the newness. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, <there's> a lot. <laughs> so we talked I about the book it. that comes out, um, December. I didn't mention the name. It is called keto freedom. Despite keto being in the title, it is not about a diet. So just yeah. a heads up, we kind of went over that. Um, Brian that's podcast. how books work. Like that's yeah. how books and blogs. And it's like, well, I don't want to be labeled. It's like, if I don't put hashtag paleo, people can't find it. So exactly. Kind of same it. thing with this book. Yeah. Yeah. But you get it. Um, brand new podcast. 
I just released episode five. So it's like a baby podcast, but it's my baby and I love it. It's called the Unbreakable You Podcast. And it's something that I had been wanting to do for a really long time. So I stepped away from the podcast that I was doing for almost nearly three years, the Nourish Podcast. You're seasoned pro. So you guys will listen to this next one and it'll be like, it's good. Thanks. Well, it's really fun. So I really wanted to focus on something other than food and really focus on all of the pieces of our health that can like make us more unbreakable. So interviewing people that are contributing to the audience becoming more unbreakable than they already are. And um, so that would be the podcast and my program. Um, It's called Unbreakable Babe. Again, something I'm super passionate about and that we were chatting about that before, kind of if people, you know, are really drawn to the self-love work that I talk so much about, um, Unbreakable Babe walks you through those four pillars of self-love. So that, those are my things right now. <laughs> That's amazing. So I know that you just started, I, did you just kick off a group for unbreakable yes so do does anybody do you kind of have plans for when you would open a next one like what people should keep their ears perked up for just like season um for sure february (laughs) i know that's a long ways away but i'm thinking february is probably the next time that you're gonna see registration open cool yeah i have a program too and it I had planned, it's a six week program. It's called gut health overhaul. And I, I ran that right in January. And then I was like, I'm going to jump right into the next one. And I was like, <sighs> just panting when it was done. Like I felt like I had just yeah. run like a marathon. Like I need a minute before I open this, like right back up because you pour into the people in the program so much, but I'm so happy that you have a program because it's, it's so needed like that topic and like in that format, like programs are so great. Um, our mutual friend, Christina Rice, yeah, um, she has a program too. And like, we were just both talking about, you know, how, how much success people find with that because you get like the community, but you get the one-on-one support. And when practitioners or bloggers, like whoever it is, that's building this program, like we put so much work into it. Yes. Like I worked on gut health overhaul for a year and it nearly killed me. Like towards the end of it, I was like, I'm going to die. So we put so much effort and work into it. So like when you go into these programs, like you're getting our best. Yeah. You're getting our hearts. Yeah, you really are. So if all this self-love talk that we did um, today resonated with you, just keep your ears perked for this program opening up again, because so many people can benefit from it. So, um, I guess the last thing before we talk about where people can find you is meal of the week. Oh, I love this. I love all my meals. (laughs) Yeah. What is your meal of the week? Oh my gosh. Okay meal that I've had on repeat all week because it's so good is I bought a pig 
from a local farm. So some happy pigs. We, I love making Kahlua pork with that. So just throwing that in the slow cooker, getting it nice and shreddy and it's so fatty and like good and delicious. And I stuff it with so many garlic cloves. Um, and then I serve that with a side of sauteed purple cabbage and I saute it in the fat from the pig. And then something I'm just so hooked on these days is roasted kabocha squash smothered in grass-fed ghee. It's Mm. the best combination. It sounds really good. So good. So comforting. And I'm sure I'm going to have some kind of like rendition of that um, tonight for dinner. Although I just finished my pork at breakfast, which makes me so sad. (laughs) It's heartbreaking when you have those amazing meals. Just like, I just made this pesto chicken. Oh gosh. Yeah. And I went like, I'm going to be so sad when this is gone. Yeah. You get into these grooves where it's like, this is just what I have to have right now. Like this is just just my thing right now. So this has been amazing. I am so glad uh, that we got to have you on. Sad that Anne isn't here because I know she really wanted to talk to you as well, but she's uh-huh. going to love listening to this. And um, so where can people find you? Yeah. So I made it super simple for everyone. I am known as Meg, the RHN on social media. So, um, you know, Instagram and Facebook, Twitter, if you're really on there, I'm not really on there, so I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> um, go to Instagram, find me at Meg, the RHN, Registered Holistic Nutritionist. Um, you'll find me there on Instagram. I show up there every day. I really love Instagram. I really do. Um, and then my website, Meg, the RHN.com. And like I said, my podcast is the Unbreakable You Podcast. Awesome. Well, you guys, you have to go hit up all of the stuff and the things where you can find Meg at because clearly she's awesome. Thank you so much for Thank coming you, on. Great. Uh, it was awesome. So that's it for this week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Unbound Healing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes and leave us a review. Until next time, you can find more from me, Anne, at grassfedsalsa.com and more from Michelle at unboundwellness.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.